Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, We also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Paul Watson. Paul is principal of Emmanuel Catholic College in Western Australia. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Thank you, Jonna. I'm very pleased for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat. I guess, first of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do as principal of Emmanuel Catholic College? Yeah, certainly. So we're a large Catholic college in the southern suburbs of Perth um, with about 1,180 students at the moment. Uh, it's a fast-growing school in a very new and upcoming area, so the demand for education in this demographic is actually quite strong. I think my role's probably twofold in a lot of ways um, because of the operation nature of a school. I manage a large staff um, in excess of about 118 all up, 83 of those being teachers. And of course, with 1,180 kids, then that's being you know, a rather large responsibility to a very, very big community um, with the associated 800, 900 plus families involved in the college as well. So there's that element of leadership that is very operational and it's very management based. Um, but there's a large part of it, um, especially in regards to my passion and my belief, that is transformational. Um, my goal is to work towards redefining education, to move away from the more traditional systems that we've known for so long, to better engage our students and inspire them. Um, and in doing so, a really big part of that is to encourage um, my staff to innovate um, to be creative, to do things differently and um, for what it's worth I give them permission to fail in doing so um, in order to take a little bit of the pressure that they might feel of, of having to get things right every minute of the day. So I think that's in short um, pretty much what, I, what I'm about and what I do. Wonderful, thank you for unpacking that and uh, let's hear a bit of your story. So to start off I'd love to go back to your childhood, back to growing up uh, are there any moments from that season or themes that have really shaped you becoming the, the person and the leader you are today, Paul? Yeah, sure. Uh, look, when I think about that, I can't, I can't really think um, of any defining moment um, or any defining experience. I think it's been something that's been amassed over years. And when I go back to my childhood, I grew up in the country. It was a very, very strong community feel. I was brought up to have strong values. Um, and I think the importance of treating others really well um, was placed upon me at an early age. And it's something that I haven't let go of. Um, and I think that that's remained at the forefront in, in all that I do. Um, certainly in my current leadership as well. I've moved around a lot 
um, I've experienced different communities in different contexts from regional to city and very, very different clientels. And I, and I think that those different experiences and the different people that you meet um, and come into contact along the way have also um, had a profound impact in the leader that I've become today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'd love to know for you, when was your first leadership opportunity? Do you remember the first time you had responsibility for the vision of a project or um, or a group of people? You were managing people in some sense. It might have been when you were little and young. It might have been a bit older. What, what comes to mind, Paul? Yeah, look, probably my first um, teaching experience or my second year out teaching, I found myself in a, in a country town in northwestern um, WA. And those opportunities gratefully present themselves very, very early in, in country towns. And you have to pick up these leadership roles because you're responsible for a multitude of things on a, on a small staff. Um, and it becomes a really steep learning curve um, in such an early age and I think I picked up my first acting deputy principal at the age of about 27 um, after you know dipping my toe in various leadership roles within that school prior to that so very very young didn't have a lot of experience um, in terms of leadership training um, and had to rely on I think a, a degree of innateness as well to be able to perform some of those roles well. It's a matter for me of being in the right time at the right place. Um, and then it sort of extended even into that town to being approached and gratefully so, undertaking leadership positions in sports clubs um, at a very young age as well. And I needed to accept the responsibility of that um, and in doing so, ensure that I could do the, the job as well as I could. And I think that being not thrust into it, but feeling like that in, in some ways really prepared me for a reality that probably wasn't on my radar. Um, and I came to realise very early that when we sit back and we look at a variety of leadership roles, we don't really know what they entail until we actually start doing them. Um, and it's easy to have an opinion until you find yourself um, in, in the actual role. Um, yeah. And that was a real eye-opener for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Same for me. Um, what, what were your biggest lessons learned in those times, in your first uh, teaching role and in opportunities within sporting clubs? What, what were the big lessons you learned? Look, I think I needed to realise the necessity to that leadership wasn't autocratic and that it couldn't be transactional. Um, and when we go back, you know, nearly 30 years now, there was a sense that leadership styles, that's what it was supposed to be. It was largely managerial. You needed to make sure that certain things were achieved and that they were achieved in a certain way. Um, and, I, and I think the people aspect of it um, was a little bit lacking. Um, and I think that that transition to a more nuanced style of leadership um, is something I've learnt the necessity of over time. And I remember when I first did an acting stint, you know, a principal at the time said to me, Paul, you have to make a decision about whether you want to be a leader. Um, 
and I think that that comes down to trying to decide, you know, do you want to be one of those people that's got an opinion that sits back and is very, very happy to tell everybody else how something should be done um, and in some ways whinge about it to a degree? Or do you want to be a person that influences those decisions? Um, and I think that was quite a defining moment in my career um, to the point where I had a realisation or I had some decisions to make around whether I actually wanted a title or I really wanted to do the job. Um, and that's a bit of a line that I stick with now um, in, in looking at younger staff um, that might have leader aspira leadership aspirations, sorry, is it comes simply down to that. Do you want the title or do you actually want to do and undertake the role? Yeah. I think... Um, uh, yeah, I was just going to say... On top of that... <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, I think some, le some young leaders don't know the difference as well. So I think that's a really helpful question to ask because some people go oh, what do you mean? And they and sometimes you're helping someone realise. Uh, Patrick Lencioni's got a great book yes. called The Motive, which is about why we lead. And I think we, um, you know, sometimes just helping facilitate that thinking for young people, that thought process to actually go, why do I want this? And um, otherwise, like you described, definitely my experience was you, you can end up in a role and going, oh, okay, this is this is not what I thought it was about, and then uh, and then you're in the deep end in some ways. Yeah, most definitely. And look, I think some people get a dose of reality, um, you know, and sometimes that sounds like it has negative connotations, and it's not always the case. Um, but they persist too, for the wrong reasons, and I think that under those circumstances. It's going to take a personal toll on your health and well-being very, very quickly. I don't. Leadership needs passion. You have to believe in what you're doing. So it has to be the job, um, and not the title. And the title won't bring you respect in time. It's your actions that will. Um, and, and it's not difficult. And it's difficult for people to get past um, a pay rise, possibly. <laughs> um, you know. A, a, perception of increased power um, and if that's all we're looking at then we're definitely heading down the wrong pathway yeah I couldn't agree more um, I'm interested to know in your career so far are there any aha moments that come to mind those sort of tipping point or even turning point moments where the penny drops where you go through something either watching another leader with how they lead or, or navigating it yourself and there's a lesson that really gets burned into your memory and, and becomes part of um, who you are. Are there any, any, any sort of aha moments like that that, that come to mind, Paul? Yeah, look, yeah, in some ways there are. I think that it's a, um, you know, at some point, even though you're not comfortable with it, you have to recognise some of the, the negative experiences that leadership just bring with it naturally you know if you if you care then there's going to be things that you lose sleep over um, and I think I've almost come to accept that um, you know when it used to happen it's not a great feeling and you'd think how am I going to deal with that but then I sort of reconciled with myself well that, that it means you care um, it's and you're thinking about it very very carefully um, and not rushing anything. And I think I remember one 
former leader who I'd never worked with, but he'd been a leader in the system for quite a while, um, said to me that, you know, you get people that walk into your office and they want, they ask you a question and they want a decision straight away. Um, and it's what he used to say, and it's the story that he used to tell, was that I would refuse. Um, and when they got a bit upset about that, you know, he'd sort of explain to them, well, hang on a minute. You've probably been thinking for weeks, if not months, how you're going to approach this with me. You've taken plenty of time to work out what you're going to say, how you're going to say it. I think it's a little bit unfair for you then to come to me and expect an answer on the spot. Um, and I remember him saying that, and it was really an aha moment, that yeah, you don't have to do that. You have the right to step back, to give you something due consideration. Um, and that's probably something I've hung on to for nearly over 20 years now. Um, mm. and, and I often wonder whether I would have reached that conclusion myself had someone not told it to me. Um, and I think the other <laughs> ha-ha moment, <laughs> be, it, be it positive or negative, is um, there came a point in my career um, where I realised that there is as much to learn from bad leadership as there is to learn from good. Um, and what and how bad leadership can make an individual feel um, and how it can devalue them and the effect or the negative effect that some actions can have on a person. Um, I learnt so much from seeing some of those and experiencing some of those things um, that, you know, you, you almost define yourself to not want to be like that. Um, so rather than just being focused on, you know, the great leaders that we see, sometimes we need to look back at the things that went wrong um, and decide whether it fits us as a person as well. Oh, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard in those moments and it's hard to coach someone in those moments because you don't want to come off as saying, uh, oh, you're going to really appreciate this horrible <laughs> thing that you're in the middle of one <laughs> yes. day. Uh, so you can't necessarily say That's that, but exactly it is true. Right. It, it is true on the other side, down the track, I, I've found for me and definitely, um, you know, nearly every leader I talk to, when you ask what's been most formative, it is often those painful things that you, uh, that you are part of with another leader and you learn in those moments, Absolutely. I will never do this because you, yeah. you gain that empathy to go, oh, wow, this is, this is bad. <laughs> Most definitely, and you can see what a negative impact it can have on a school. Um, obviously, being my context, I'm sure it extends elsewhere, an organisation and an overall culture. Um, and sometimes the damage can be done so very, very quickly um, and it can destroy years of good work. Um, and unfortunately, it takes years sometimes to rebuild um, and that's just, you know, things shouldn't be that devastating, quite frankly. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favourite illustrations about leadership is in a book by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's called Integrity, and um, it's, uh, it's a really interesting take on the word integrity and what it means. But he uses this metaphor mm -hmm. of leadership being like a boat that has a wake uh, behind it, you know, and, and he says the wake that is behind um, uh, the wake that is behind a leader 
is that sort of like the boat that uh, that has all this choppy water behind it. And the big question for leaders Most is how definitely. do we how do we minimize that? Uh, what are your thoughts on how to minimize wake behind us, negative wake? Um, I think that reputation is everything. And I think that we've got to have, firstly, we've got to have a realisation of what is the effect our actions can have. Um, and we've got to have the ability to look past the short-term effect um, and to say that, all right, this might be the immediate outcome of, of this action or my leadership, but what might it spiral off into? What could this mean for people outside the immediate group that I'm dealing with? Um, what could this mean for the organisation maybe six months from now? Um, also got to have that ability that, especially in a school setting, that we follow compliance. Um, some of these things are non-negotiable and they're non-negotiable for a reason. So we don't have the right, I don't believe, to step outside some of those things either. Uh, and I think that if we can do those two things, then we, we might not get it right. But, you know, to use the analogy you just spoke about, we certainly get rid of that negative wake and that choppy wake. Um, we have to have a realisation too that if that's the... You know, the reputation we're leaving behind us is um, a choppy wake, then like most people, we will do what we can to avoid it. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Uh, so I'm interested to know along the way in your career, are there any uh, any leaders you might, you've already mentioned, uh, you know, you might have already referred to, to some of them, <laughs> but any, any, um, any great um, yeah. leaders that you've watched and mentors that have taught you a lot? Yeah, look, most definitely two. Um, and interestingly enough, certainly um, one in coming to a large school in, in a city for the first time was quite outstanding. Um, had a great deal of experience, highly respected, had a great deal of knowledge to give and viewed part of his role as succession leadership and the imperative nature of it. Um, so he always made sure that those younger leaders underneath his leadership were, were gaining the skills, were gaining the knowledge that they needed. Um, and in doing so, he was, he was very, very open um, and he was very, very honest sometimes in his feedback. Um, and he never underestimated, you know, the, the power of mentorship and um, the need to be transparent, I think, too. And... Um, that you can get up and that you can say to people, this is the outcome and know that they're not going to agree with it, but you have to be prepared to explain it as well. Um, and some people still might not agree with you, but they will understand your reasoning and they will respect that. I think the other person too, um, in terms of a female principal I worked with who was outstanding, and I've worked with this person um, as a equal deputy at other um, at another school some years before to work with someone that you're actually quite close with but to acknowledge that they are still the boss and that they are still the leader um, is quite a, a special experience in a lot of ways because um, there's a closeness of relationship that needs to exist there they as a leader need your support um, they need someone to vent 
with. They need someone to want to explain some of their thinking to and ask for your opinion on it. And that that level of trust and confidence that a leader can place in another leader, even though not at the same level, um, can be quite transforming. And I think you can look at other people's leadership journeys too. You can understand the difficulties that they've had. You can understand and learn from what they learnt at the time. Um, and, and that's probably one of the best working relationships I've, I've ever had, actually, and it still exists, albeit slightly different today. Um, so I think those, they're my two favourite um, examples because they've had the most profound impact on me. Um, and, you know, I, I work with these people in some version or another as long as 15 years ago. Um, and I still work with them now um, in some version or another. Yeah, that's, uh, that's incredible. Are, are there any stories that come to mind from either of those leaders that really, I guess, are good representations of some of the things you said? Any, any specific moments that come to mind with how they dealt with the situation or uh, managed people or a crisis or dealing with students? Anything that comes to mind? Yeah, look, I, I, a crisis, and especially with students, is, is a very difficult thing for schools to to deal with, um, especially if it involves a lot of emotion um, from various members of the community and, you, and you're dealing with children. Um, that can struggle greatly during times of crisis. So, you know, I think if I sort of give you a generic example, it's about being prepared before a crisis, um, what are we actually going to do if we're placed in some very, very difficult circumstances and, and what roles are people going to take and who's going to be responsible for what and laying that out on the table well and truly before. Um, and a crisis needs a proactive approach not a, so that we can, when we need to, bring in a reactive approach. It's actually tempered and it's actually been thought out. Um, I think in those cases that, you know, you've got to be authentic. Um, when people are struggling, you know, you can't pretend that um, maybe you're not. Um, you have to be a little bit stronger than the others, most definitely, because you're the leader. But um, I think it's good for people to see that we're human beings too, um, that we're authentic in our care, um, but that we have the skills and knowledge to, to lead a school community or any organisation at this time through this crisis um, in a meaningful, authentic, pastoral way. Um, and, and I've seen that enacted on more occasions than I wish, if I'm honest, <laughs> but um, it's there. Um, and, and I really believe that's probably some of the most important learnings um, is you've got to watch a person in action. In this case, it's been a specific yeah. example of crisis, um, but you've got to sit back and reflect on what these people are doing and why they've done it um, if you want to learn from their leadership as well. Yeah, that's great, Paul. Uh, really good thoughts. Well, let's jump into Leadership Express. I want to ask you a few of these questions. The first one is, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Do you know what? I don't think I could come up with one. Um, and I gave that a great deal of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I do do is head more down professionally in terms of the articles 
I yeah. tend to very rarely read leadership books. Largely, mm-hmm. it's time. And, and if I'm honest, I get a little bit bored. Um, they're full of gold, don't get me wrong. So I tend to concentrate on LinkedIn, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> and if I, you know, I see no, something there in short firm. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just had a bit of a sound issue there. Um, <laughs> if I see something in short form, um, yeah. you know, then I, then I might look at it. And certainly my role as a leader and even as a vice principal in, in encouraging, you know, change in schools, I pretty much pick stuff up from the internet or YouTube, send it to staff once a week. It's up to them whether they read it or they don't, but the opportunity's certainly there. Um, yeah. And the rule I have is that it can't take 10 minutes or more to watch or mm. to read. So it's yeah. short and it's sharp and it's meaningful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Do you have any favourite uh, authors or anyone you follow on LinkedIn who you find or YouTube that you are sharing clips or um, short things that they've written multiple times? Yeah, look, I follow Will Richardson a lot out of the US um, and his big bush push for educational change, um, particularly in the light of a global pandemic um, and the need not to return to what we thought was normal schooling, that he views um, the pandemic as an opportunity um, albeit a crisis, it's an opportunity for us to redefine our schools. Um, I follow Michael Fulham um, and recently read, or recently 18 months ago probably, his book Nuance about changing leadership in a changing world. Um, but, you know, there's a multitude of people through LinkedIn and YouTube and the um, Dylan Williams of the world and the um, Rita, Rita Pearsons that have so much to offer educators um, and, and so, you know, obviously some of their clips are, are become quite you know, almost iconic but probably none more so than Sir Ken Robinson um, around education and that's probably 15 years ago in terms of developing a passion for changing it, he's probably the man that started it and his, his work and in particular his video around um, whether or not schools are killing creativity. Um, and one other that's completely out of the normal book is a guy called Sully Brakes, um, who's a spoken work art, word artist. Um, and through his work on YouTube, he addresses things, uh, you know, like why I um, hate school but love education um, and topics like we won't let exam results define our fate. Um, very different yeah. um, way to express an opinion, but, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's uh, that's... Yeah, so next question I have for you, Paul, is what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Yesterday, recent enough for you. (laughs) I had a bit of an incident yesterday which reminded me um, of the need to stay calm Um, and something had irritated me and I knew what I wanted to do. But I was, I guess, confident enough to know that that wasn't the time to make a decision because I wasn't in a good mood about it. Um, 
and I, I thought it would probably be all right, but I decided to give myself time until this morning I told my executive team um, to consider it and then have a discussion about it because I couldn't 100% guarantee that they were going to get a rational um, response yesterday in terms of what the decision was that we had to make. So, I, you know, that importance to take the time when needed um, to reflect on what you're doing and to recognise you might not be in the best headspace at the time um, to make a decision that was going to permeate throughout the college. So as it was, um, this morning we met, we talked through it. We've gone with exactly what I thought yesterday. Um, that didn't change. Um, but I felt much more comfortable with the decision this morning than I would have been if I'd made it yesterday. Yeah, fantastic. That's a great, uh, great thought. Um, do you have any favourite questions when you're when you're in a classroom with students, when you're with your leadership team or with parents, stakeholders? Any favourite questions you like to ask? Yeah, look, there's a couple. I think, you know, being new to a school this year, I take the opportunity to get out in the yard um, and speak to the kids. Um, and my question to them has been, you know, I would have asked this question a hundred times in the last six weeks. What's good about this school? Um, but I always follow it up with what needs to change, do you think? What needs to shift? So I don't, you know, and, and I'm honest and, and I'm genuine that I ask those questions because I want to get the answers. Um, but two, I'm also... You know, I've got so much time and respect for our teenagers that if you give them the opportunity, they will surprise you. Um, and just to be able to listen to how well some articulate answers to those questions is quite outstanding. Um, I made an effort being new to this school to offer the opportunity to meet with every staff member individually. Um, with our COVID restrictions in Western Australia, I found that to be really important because I haven't had the opportunity since the first day of school to even address the whole staff as a group face to face. Um, so, you know, I've been here well, seven, eight weeks now and there's people I haven't seen other than online. So that's made leadership difficult. Um, but if I do meet with them one on one, I always ask them, what would you like the future to hold for you? Um, so a big part of my leadership has to be, look, in some cases it could be succession leadership, um, but it's really, really important that I know what people that work here want for the future. And where possible, they need to know that they have my support in achieving that. Um, that might not always be the outcome, um, but certainly the support is imperative and the fact that they know that is imperative as well. And hopefully, in some instances, I can contribute to that um, and I can point them in the right direction um, to maybe that they might be able to enhance um, to where that goal actually hopefully one day becomes a reality. Yeah, I love that. Great, great thoughts. Um, what's a commonly held belief in education that you passionately disagree with? <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I think one of the things is the benefits of standardised testing for the being for the benefit of students. 
I just don't believe that to be true. Um, and I think it's more detrimental to put students through um, standardised testing um, to achieve very little more than um, government data. I think it's important to be data informed but not data driven. Um, and I think that there's quite some um, opposing schools of thoughts around that idea. Um, and linked to that is a mandated curriculum. Um, I think that it causes more trouble than it's worth. And I think we're teaching kids in a way and information um, for a world that just doesn't exist anymore. Um, and our challenge is to inspire and to engage kids, I think, today, despite the fact that there's a um, mandated curriculum overshadowing us. I think we need to flip mm. the education system on its head, move away from content first, where kids regurgitate and memorate and memorise things, and move to skill first to gain the content later. Well, I agree with you, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think I think you're right. I think how to do that is a, is a big challenge. So it's, uh, but I agree with the uh, with the thought. Yeah, brilliant. Um, what about a piece of great advice you've received at some point? Doesn't have to be leadership; could just be about life uh, at any point in your career when you're growing up. Yeah, recently, yeah. What's, what's a great piece of advice you've received? Yeah. I think it is, in essence, you know, um, around leadership in education. And and I was told many years ago, and it wasn't necessarily directed at me, but that belief that. Um, the most important thing for you to do is to do the best job you can in the job that you're doing now. That if your eyes too much on the next step and where you think you want to go in the future, then you're probably not going to go there because at the end of the day, you will be judged on the job that you're employed to do at the time. Yeah, that's good. I really, I really like that. Well said. Uh, now, this could be a book, but um, I always love to ask if there are any movies, TV shows um, that really impacted you. Anything that comes to mind, a movie or TV show? It doesn't have to be serious. It could be something you just enjoy, just really enjoyed switching off and, and watching. Yeah, look, well... Um... Some people might say this is inappropriate, but I think, you know, in recent years, my favourite TV show has been Animal Kingdom on Netflix. <laughs> yes, bit, yeah, uh, yeah, it's Australian, it's isn't it? It's based, the US series that I've been watching on Netflix is based ah, on an Australian movie. Based yes. on the Australian movie, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah uh, but it's very raw um, and, it, and it's very gritty. And I think when you have... Um, actors in it um like ellen birkin for example that is mm. so good at what she's doing it's disconcerting to watch it makes you feel uncomfortable <laughs> um but uh, you know i i think those aspects of um and and a little similar to yellowstone that i've been watching as well um there's a character in that that, it, that is similar but i think that you know it's reasonable entertainment and it presents a reality of, of a world that I might not be part of but that for others exists 
Um, and I think in yeah. some ways, apart from the entertainment value, it's good for us to acknowledge that and um, to at least consider that, yeah, the struggles that people face in their lives are very varied and uh, mm. sometimes in our environment we're very sheltered and, and we have a tendency to sometimes maybe forget that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's so true. Uh, okay, last question, and that was a great recommendation. I enjoy all sorts of different recommendations, so that's <laughs> Animal Kingdom, good one. Um, yeah, if, you but... could, <laughs> if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Be yourself, be authentic, um, and um, and mm. then if you've got those leadership skills, um, it will, they'll serve you well, but I don't think you can pretend to be anybody that you are not. Um, you might get away with it for a little bit of time, um, but you won't get away with it for very long, and it will have a highly detrimental effect on you as an individual if that is what you are trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's uh, that's so true. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. For those who want to find out more uh, about your school and also maybe connect with you online, say on on uh, LinkedIn is LinkedIn the best way. And and where can people find uh, find yeah. out about the school as well? Yep, um, probably the Manual Catholic College website um, is the best in regards to the school. Um, although we do have social media platforms um, elsewhere. M me personally, and I do try to separate my um, leadership beliefs and some of the writing that I've done around education from the position I have in a school. Um, LinkedIn is most definitely the best place, um, and even some of the work I've done in magazines and um, international conferences is, is available through there um, as well. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in, and I know you would have enjoyed today's episode with Paul. It's been uh, it's been really fun to to chat and hear uh, stories and and thoughts on leadership. Don't forget, for our listeners, I also have the John O White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast, two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Paul, for being so generous with your time, uh, for sharing uh, some great stories and some great leadership principles with us. It's been uh, really rewarding. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, my absolute pleasure, Jono, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity that um, that you've given me, and, uh, and I wish you all the very best, uh, especially for the weeks coming up. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. 
I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you 
to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.